Welcome back, you jewels and gems. Thank you for tuning into A Practical Home this week. This is a space for cottage witchery from the suburbs. I'm Mandy, and I'm glad you're here. I hope that you all are having a lovely February, or you had one if you were listening to this later on, and that you've been enjoying the winter weather if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and have been running about in the last bits of summer if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, regardless of location. I do hope that everyone is able to work on sowing the seeds of their dreams for 2022 during this seasonal change. I know that sounds so cheesy, but it's true. I hope that we're able to work on our goals that we set out at the beginning of the year. For literal seed sowing, I have bought all of my seeds, at least I think all of my seeds, and most of my garden items for this year's outdoor garden. I'm working on cleaning my greenhouse cabinet shelves in prep for new seeds. I really love this time of setting up the new garden. I was so excited. I got all my books out. I did all my research. I drew out my garden. Um, I have like a, a printout of how I want all of my raised beds to be set up and all of my additional uh, potting areas. I, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I can feel spring coming and I can't wait to get out and get my hands in the dirt and spend more time outdoors with purpose. I am keeping my fingers crossed that this summer is not nearly as cruel on my crops like last year was. The sudden drought that we have, those heat waves, it was not great uh, for my cucumbers or eggplants. I know it did a lot of damage that's far beyond my cucumbers and eggplants, but fortunately um, for us down here, we were okay during those heat waves, um, but anything that we were trying to grow definitely didn't last and we weren't able to use any of those vegetables for sustainability through the winter. But I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we'll have a better turnout this year and I'll, have, I'll be able to get more canning done and put more vegetables away for the winter next year or this, I guess, coming winter. We shall see. In other news, this has been a really rough month. My family had a wave of stomach flu that swept through the house. Um, I was the one who got it first and I think probably gave it to everybody else. Um, my husband and I had it at the same time before the kids got sick and we were so sick, neither of us could even pick up our kid to help her change her diaper. Um, we had to, had to call in reinforcements. I had to call my mom and fortunately she was able to watch the kids while we were laid up in bed. And even more fortunately, she didn't get sick herself, um, which is a miracle. But then afterwards, the kids got sick, and this is really the first time our toddler has ever had something like the flu where she's throwing up. Obviously, they've had spit up as babies, but it was, ugh, it was awful. Um, and they can't tell you how they feel, and they can't communicate everything, and it was just really terrible. So I'm, I'm glad we're past that, and we're on to, to, better, to better weeks, but, you know... It's just been rough. I'm still on maternity leave from my regular nine to five job. Um, and I'm just not making as much progress on home projects as I had hoped I would. Between the stomach flu, that weird thing a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago, where my face blew up and was 
heavily swollen for a week. I feel like I've just been sick for half of the time that I've been off and I haven't been able to get to anything. Ah, I don't know. Maybe I'll have more luck in the future. I just posted to Instagram actually today about morning rituals and how I'm struggling, but I'm trying to keep up the habit of spending a few minutes at my altar every day and making time for prayer, uh, lighting my candles, um, giving my offerings. Sometimes that morning ritual doesn't take place till four o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm trying every day to, to maintain that practice and that habit. And, you know, when you have other commitments in your life, it's so tough to keep up something like a spiritual practice, but it's really worth it if you do. Um, so even if I'm not getting stuff done around the house in terms of home projects, I'm glad that I'm, I'm kind of succeeding at keeping up that habit of taking space at my altar. I don't know. Do you guys struggle with that all the time of trying to, to to carve out 10 minutes of your day just so you can light a few candles and say a few prayers? I don't, it's not just me, right? I think we're all probably in that same boat. Um, you know, if you, if you have something interesting that you do for a quick, a quick spiritual ritual, I really want to hear about it. Share it with me over on Instagram because I want to see what everyone's doing with their few minutes that they have to spare during the day. Since we're still kind of near the beginning of the year and everyone is in that mood of setting intentions and goals and working out those milestones, I really wanted to talk today about journaling and essentially documenting progress throughout the year. This is something that I am not great at. There are people who are far better than I am. I do try to set a goal for myself to be better at it every year. It's kind of like my reading goal where I try to increase my books that I read every year by a few. I I try to be better at my journaling by just a smidge every year. There are a variety of things that you can document to demonstrate the process um, of your spiritual journey and the progress that you've made throughout the year. And I have a few that I have in my home and I wanted to talk about um, just kind of as they relate to home magic. And and so I thought I would share. First um, topic we've already talked about today, gardening. Gardening and green magic journaling. I love tracking the progress that I make with my outside garden and really with anything that I'm growing indoors. So that goes for propagations, food that I grow in our arrow garden, or even my house plants. I used to feel like I couldn't grow anything, like I had a black thumb years ago. And I started understanding that I needed to track what I was doing to plants and I guess, analyze the natural rhythm of each plant. Um, And I started figuring out how to take care of houseplants. That's where I started. And once I got that down, my houseplant collection exploded. And then I started growing things outdoors. And do I still have things that die? Sure, of course, that's going to happen no matter what. But journaling about 
what went well and what went wrong, that has really steered me in the right direction to be decently successful at gardening and plant care. So a couple of ideas of what you could put in a garden or green magic journal. You can document what you planted, obviously, and how it's growing. Is that in a raised bed? Is it directly in the ground? Is it in a pot or a grow bag? How healthy the plant is. Um, if you're noticing any attraction to bugs, if you're having any mold issues, if you're having any leaf issues, you can document all that and what you've done to resolve that. You can also track soil and water changes that you make to the plant, repotting, fertilizing, the amount of sunlight that it's getting. And if a plant dies, you can journal about what you think went wrong. Um, what do you think you didn't understand about the plant? Or what are you planning to try next? Especially if you're going to be getting the same kind of plant again. It's kind of a, you, you can go back and reflect if things start going south on your new plant, you can go back at the old documentation and see maybe where you're going wrong. I love having that history of plants. If you're building an outdoor garden specifically, you can doodle out or, you know, be a bit more fancy than doodling, like it, something that I can't do, <laughs> but you can draw out your garden in the journal of how you want the beds to be arranged or the planters, and you can actually visualize what your garden's going to be like. You can write about crops that weren't very successful or soil testing results that you had. You can also journal your harvests and how the process of collecting the fruits of your labor, the literal fruits of your labor, how that made you feel. Indoors, you can write about houseplant biographies even if you choose, as you're starting to build relationships with your plants. What's the communication they're trying to get across to you? How does the plant make you feel? What do you think it's trying to say or express to you? Something else you can document if you're interested in herbalism. You can create journal entries regarding plants or herbs that you've learned about or have used in your practice or even plan to use in the future and properties that you understand about those. If you have any apothecary knowledge that you want to hold on to, such as tincture recipes, bath and beauty products that you've created, you can write about those and how well they worked, or if they didn't work, you can write about what went wrong. You can also journal your connection to the earth and what that relationship has meant to you. If you feel a connection to certain locations, pretty spots, mile markers, anything like that, you can put that in there and, and draw pictures of what those areas look like and, and use them as visualizations in the future if you're doing some type of visual meditation work. Another journal that I like to keep is a kitchen journal. A big part of my practice takes place in the kitchen. I love making food for my family performing crafts that involve the stove, such as candle making, anything that needs a source of heat. I also have a small altar in my kitchen where I spend a lot of time. And I like to keep track of my cooking, baking, any spell that I'm crafting, um, and look back on it later on. So in your kitchen journal, you can jot down recipes that you created from scratch. 
What correspondences did the meal have? Was it created with magical intention? How did that work out for you? And what would you change in the future if you made that meal again? We have a family keepsake cookbook that we got when we were married, I think. And it it's the, the design of the cookbook itself has one side where you write down your recipe and another side that's meant for journaling, um, talking about the memories that you have, making the item, who you shared it with, what you liked about it, etc. And I've seen a few of those kinds of cookbooks around. I know I've seen them at Barnes & Noble, which is the only bookstore, like big chain bookstore that we have where I live. Um, and I, you can probably find them online, maybe some smaller bookstores that you have locally too. But if you want something pre-made, those types of cookbooks are great for putting in your recipe and then writing about your thoughts and feelings. Or of course, you can do it with any composition notebook or whatever. You can write about how your tastes have changed over the years, new flavors that you're exploring, how that impacts what you're making in the kitchen. You can also write about how certain foods impact you or your family, whether that be physically or emotionally. It's also fun to write about cookbooks that you're working through and if you learned anything through them. I was so inspired by the book and the movie Julie and, Ju Julie and Julia, and I love the idea of making every single recipe in a cookbook and hopefully going on some kind of emotional journey and, and being out of your comfort zone making food that you normally wouldn't cook. I have a few cookbooks in my collection that deserve special attention like that because of the emotion and personality that was built into them. One that really comes to mind is by, I think it's by Paul Lowe. I think that's right. Lowe, L-O-W-E. And we picked it up at like a five below. I, it's called um, Eat and Make, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a cookbook that also has crafting recipes in it. So it's, you know, like a recipe, then a crafting thing. And then in between there is um, a collection of stories from from the author and chef growing up with his, I think it was his Norwegian aunts and grandmother. I, I, I may be wrong there, but it's something like that. And it, it's a very funny cookbook. Um, we looked at it and went through a lot of those recipes a couple of years ago, and I, I still have it. And I, maybe I'll dust it off here in the future and, and make something from that. But it was the kind of cookbook that you actually could sit down and, and read to some extent because it had stories in it. And um, you just felt a real connection to Paul Lowe when you were going through the book. So not every cookbook's like that. But if you find something like that and you want to write about how this experience has been for you, that's great to keep in your kitchen journal. You can also journal about hearth deities that you may be working with or even worshiping or maybe just reading about? What connections do they have to your practice? If you're giving offerings, what has been more successful for you? If you're making any kitchen spells with that deity or really any other spell with them, how's that working out? Uh, you know, would you change anything about that relationship? I'd also recommend keeping either a divination journal or a tarot journal or, uh, you know, however you practice your divination, something to, to keep track of any session that you're having. 
Divination is such a personal journey to begin with, and so it makes sense to document it because it's really worthwhile to, to go back and reflect on readings that you've had in the past. You won't find answers in books. A lot of your answers for divination is just going to come from your mind and your, your experience, and so having those past questions documented with answers I think would be really helpful for anybody especially someone who's just getting used to a divination tool style. Obviously, it's it's beneficial to, you know, keep track of responses that you get in any session that you have. And um, I, I enjoy a couple different forms of divination. Some are more easy to document than others. So I like tarot and oracle reading a lot. Um, candle wax readings or caromancy um, has been really fun and beneficial for me. Um, and gazing into black water, which I can't think of the word for that right now. Um, that is typically what I will do for divination. And for the latter two, um, I keep a journal next to me when I'm performing the actions and I make a list of all the images that I see in the order that I see them. And then afterwards I go back through that list and I make notes of how the images could be interpreted and how they might tie together. With tarot specifically, I have a separate tarot journal that I purchased and I keep track of all of my readings there. And um, I use actually... Oh, it's not over here. Hold, hold, please. Let me go get this. I had to go. How do you go find it? Um, oh, yeah, obviously. Well, I don't know why I couldn't remember the name of this. I have the Modern Witch Tarot Journal by Lisa Sturl. And I really like it. Um, I think it has really good reviews. I've never actually looked into it, but I've seen a lot of other tarot uh, readers on Instagram have pictures of this journal. So I assume other people use it by like in mass. Um, but it, it has areas for you to add your own correspondences or um, meanings for cards through the entire uh, major and minor arcana. And then um, it also has a spot for you to document readings and what those meanings might be, which I think is pretty cool. If you're performing something daily, like a daily card pool, uh, you can write about the card that you chose, what it means to you short term or long term, how it impacted your day after doing that poll. Um, and if you're doing a part, uh, <laughs> tongue tied, if you're pulling a card um, for the, the year or making some kind of yearly spread for yourself, you're going to want to write that down so you can review the spread and then kind of document how it unfolds over time. Um, I did a card of the year. And so I'm every month I'm writing down what that card has meant to me for this month. And, and I'm, I'm anxious to see come December what that whole story is going to look like. Also in divination, if you're working with a particular deity and you're having communication, you're divining with them, um, you can jot down any recurring symbols or signs that that deity has prompted you with that you've noticed in those readings. And this is also a great space to analyze your communication with the deity and those messages and really figure out what that relationship um, is all about and what they're trying to say to you. 
Same thing goes if you're working or communicating with your ancestors or land spirits or anything like that. You can also write about how your energy or the energy of your home has changed after readings. I think this would be really helpful for someone who's brand new to a divination practice, who has never had it in the home before and is adding it to a regular routine. Um, because, you know, as, as you're finding yourself more um, in tune with your own intuition and with communication, um, you might find that you notice the energy of your home more or you notice things uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise. And that, that might, the divination work might actually impact how you view or feel about your space. I also recommend journaling about non-witchy things, or I suppose they could be non-witchy to you. It really just depends. I encourage everyone to take time to journal their own personal growth over time. This is like daily reflections of your attitude, your health, your stress levels. All of that is valid and important to keep track of. And that type of reflection can not only be soothing and, and cathartic, but also helps identify trends that might be in your health, good or bad. You know, if you find yourself slipping into negative feelings during a certain period of time of year, is that linked to a seasonal affective disorder or is it something else that's going on in your life? Maybe that will give you some insight. Meditations and the messages you receive from them are also a great thing to journal. You can keep track of how you feel after a meditation. Do you feel more relaxed or do you feel more anxious? Are you struggling with meditation? Maybe you're trying different things. If you've been meditating for some time, you can keep track of how it's impacted your sleep, your stress levels, your overall health. You can also document any goals you want to achieve and the milestones you've hit towards working on that goal. You can write about the overall productivity of achieving those goals, your mental health while working on this. It's To me, it's very motivating to see where you started and how far you've come, and it, it really helps fuel um, uh, myself when it, when it comes to finishing out those goals. You can also reflect on what's changed about the goals and you know how you might feel differently about them now. Possibly roadblocks that you've encountered along the way or other opportunities that opened up while you were working towards this goal. And you can also, of course, just express your feelings to the universe in the form of writing. Throughout my, my practice, I have found uh, myself writing letters to the universe and sometimes specific deities. Um, it, it can be difficult for me at times to communicate deep internal feelings out loud or even during silent prayer. I, I find it easier to write it down kind of like I'm writing it to an old friend and I discuss how I'm feeling at that current moment, what might be eating at me, what's going well, it's when I was a kid, I was the kind of kid who in the diary, it'd be like, dear diary, <laughs> this is how I felt at school today. And, and then I would sign it, you know, love Mandy or whatever. I don't remember how I signed my, my diary entries, but I know that I did. And I did that for years. And then I stopped doing that for normal journaling when I was probably, 
don't know, probably just in my 20s. I can't really remember. And when I go back into that mode, sometimes that's really helpful for me because I, I could express myself, um, my, my deep internalized feelings actually better when I was a kid than I can now. I guess I have, I'm, I'm jaded as an adult and I have a lot of walls put up about some of my deep internal feelings. So write a letter like it's to an old friend and you can empty your thoughts into that. Sometimes I save those letters in a journal. Other times I tear them out and I burn them. Almost all of the letters that I write to deities, I burn. Um, in fact, I think all of them. I don't know that I have any saved. I did have a few, but I ended up burning them in another ritual. So I think I've burned all of my deity letters and, um, and that's fine. It's out there. You don't always have to go back and reflect on it. If it's, you know, especially if it's something that you're trying to release or just kind of get out of your head, um, or process and, and just the act of writing them down, um, allows you to start processing those, those thoughts and feelings. Obviously, with anything that you might be journaling, your writings can be as in-depth or as brief as you need them to be. But I think the point is it's just showing the progress of who you are as a person from any given period of time. I like to look at things from a year, but, you know, sometimes depending on jobs, relationships, um, you know, social standing, uh, economic status, you might be in a period of transition just in 30 days. You might have a significant change in your life. And, um, and it would be interesting to see who you were 30 days ago and, and who you are now. When it comes to spiritual journeys, I think it's really important to go back and reflect on those and um, see what's changed for you because I definitely didn't have the same ambitions or intentions when I started my spiritual practice, you know, like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was now. Um, I definitely wanted something different out of it than I do now. I was also uh, way... Um, guess how do I describe it? I was more ritualistic and I guess fancier <laughs> when I was younger. I needed all the tools and fancy robes and like I, I was very, um, it, it was almost like performance art when I was in my 20s. Um, not to say there's anything bad about that. That's not what I'm saying. I just, I don't do that now. Now I I, I look back on my practice and I feel lazy about the things that I do now, but I'm, I'm far more low key. I respect my energy levels. I respect my anxiety. Um, and I respect my time and I just have a different kind of practice. So it's really interesting for me to look back on the things that I did when I was a lot younger and how I just, I just wouldn't do do those things now because I'm, you know, over time I've become a different person. So that's really the point, uh, that I'm rambling on about here is, um, documenting, you know, who you were and, and how far you've come and, um, make time every so often, maybe it's once a year, maybe it's at new year's or something like that. Make time to go back and look at something from your past, at any point in your past that you choose. Just go back and look and think about um, 
the person who wrote that and, you know, who they are today and maybe things that you would do differently. Even if it's something that's like a, uh, a garden journal, I'm not going to do the same things in my garden that I did last year. So I learned a lot more and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make changes from there. So it's just always interesting to reflect. As always, thank you for joining me this week as we explored journaling and daily writings. If you have any journal ideas to share, I hope that you connect with me on social media. Tag me so I can see what you're working on. You can always find me anytime on Instagram at a practical home podcast. I'm also over on Twitter at a practical home. And you can send me an email at any time at a practical home podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, bye bye. Stay rad. Mm-hmm.